Human interviews are all about capturing people's diverse passions and special skill sets. Bob Garlick and Andrew McGivern chat with local and international specialists to find out what they do and why they do it. Hey everybody, it's Bob here again. Unfortunately, Andrew has some tech problems, so he won't be joining us tonight. So uh, once again, a Maven show, and I have Bosco Anthony, and he is an amazing guy. Um, he basically came into Vancouver and dominated by doing what he he basically doing what he preaches. I think would be a good term. You got to get out there. You got to do. Uh, you got to meet people. You got to be social, and he is being that and more. So Bosco, let's. Um, we were talking earlier before we got the the recording going. And we, we got excited about talking about content because I do content, you do content. But before we get into that, how about a little background? What, where are you from? What, what are you about? And how did you become such a superstar? Well, thanks for having me on your show, Bob. Um, I am originally from Tanzania, East Africa. I moved here about 11 years ago and uh, started getting into the digital internet marketing space about eight years ago. Uh, worked for a bunch of other companies and then eventually built my own boutique operation. And in the last two years, I would say, was really the time when my business really just broke out. Mm-hmm. And uh, the big, I would say the big thing was really just exposure and branding and speaking. Uh, this I, I did over 40 uh, speaking keynotes and panels and interviews last year that really highlighted and elevated me to, to do more on on the on the stage and I got to share the stage with guys like Gary Vanichuk during social media week which really elevated my career as well as a speaker um, and I've also I would say focused on content in the last year um, our blog was nominated uh, one of the best business blogs in Vancouver and I really focus now on digital storytelling context marketing uh, as well as content strategies that we deploy for businesses and brands Hey, that's excellent. You know, and and at the end there, you got in some great gobbly gobbledygook words. They're saying, "What? What? What does that mean?" So, I think that would be a nice basis for our first set of questions. Is um, why is content different now than it was three months ago or two months ago? Because things happen so fast. Well, I mean, let's face it. Google's been dominating uh, the digital uh, web space uh, for the longest period of time, and uh, you know, many people have even gone as far as saying that Google has taken over the yellow pages in many ways. If you're not on Google, uh, you're not really running a business online. So, with that, the quality of Google searches and results—we call them SERPs, which is search engine result pages—really uh, have to be quality in that sense. And so, Google's put a really big emphasis on content in the last few years. And a lot of us have been preaching about it uh, for the last 12 to 14 months. But lately, I've been finding that context really overpowers content. Uh, you could just be writing just to, to rank for stuff, but if people aren't reading it, it's not really helping your cause or your business. So I think now more than ever, uh, you need to be having content that's compelling, engaging, and most importantly, uh, providing a reaction or a form of engagement. Let's drill down on context a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You kind of did that there, but but in a nutshell, what for you is context when you're talking about content for, for people, for value? Uh, you know, I would be the first to really change my vision of this. I think mm-hmm. when I first got into the content game, I was writing content for my own brand as well to, to, to really brand myself on authority. And so the writing and the style of writing was really based out of giving away free resources for businesses to the point of overwhelmment with the intention that they would come back for me to really help them deploy what I gave away. Yeah. Uh, but as you know, digital marketing isn't sexy. 
And so in order for you to do that, in order for you to make it more compelling, you've got to really tell a story or make it really interesting. And so in the last few months, I've noticed that the content that I wrote with passion and with the ability of blending and integrating other visuals like video, audio, uh, even things like this podcast really got a lot more engagement and value and also a lot more face time in front of the viewer and the audience. So I, I think that I've gone through a metamorphosis and as you know I always do what I teach as opposed to teach what I do. Uh, and so one of the things that I've been really focusing on is really applying it to my own brand. And so the biggest thing that I've been focusing on in the last few months is really trying to get uh, eyeballs, really trying to get engagement and reactions. And I I found that through proper digital storytelling, which I will define shortly after, uh, it's really brought about the social reactions and engagement that, I, that I've been looking for and any brand should be looking for. Mm. Uh, is it tough to get your head around that? Like, like we're kind of cutting edge people, trying new stuff before it becomes popular. Is it hard to explain it to clients because it's so new? Yes and no. I, I think that, uh, you know, I've worked with all different ages and all different spectrums, and I think that apart from a, a learning curve which most people inherit, I think that it's also the willingness to do it. And some people have great intentions, but their follow through follow through is really tough. Uh, and also timing and priority. Um, if you don't have a marketing budget, if you can't afford to pay for a writer, then you're really dedicating this time on your own. Not only learning this, but also uh, doing it on your own, which can take a huge learning curve and a lot of time. But so, you know, if you're working with a business or a brand, they have a budget to work with content agencies or work with content tribes or even work with digital marketers to help rank for such authority. I mean, uh, from my understanding, you and I both have worked with different other brands to provide them the content as well in some ways we've adopted the content agency yep absolutely well it's it's i think the hard thing is they all say where's the roi and mm -hmm. it's like dude don't get stuck on stuff like that and what i'm finding is i'm going back to old style meetings say like how long you've been doing radio oh we've been doing radio for 20 years or we've been doing radio for, and you have great results oh we get fantastic results and right. what did you get for the first month of radio i don't know you got nothing Trust right. me, the right. reason you have amazing radio right now, or radio works great as a tool to communicate uh, to your target demographic, is because you've been doing it for so long. If you've been right. doing social media for 20 years, which is impossible because it hasn't been around that one, <laughs> you would be rocking social media and you'd be making a ton right. of money with it. So right. as soon as you kind of explain on that level, they go, well, okay, maybe we'll give it a try. So yeah. it's, it's, it's a trust issue. They don't understand it. It's changing and evolving so much and they have a hard time trusting it. Well, I think I think in the past content was about authority, and today it's about influence mm -hmm. more than authority. And I think influence brings about engagement, and engagement brings about reactions, and reactions bring about conversions. So, in my if I look at the metrics here, we're looking at four systematic approaches. Mm -hmm. I think we start off with, like I said, the influence, the engagement, and then the reaction, and then finally the conversions. And I think that um, you know. Yes, we do have to pay attention to metrics like Google Analytics on your blogs and all your other uh, programs out there. But content is evolving as well, and the platforms are evolving as well, which I, I should probably define as your next question is what is digital storytelling? Yeah, exactly. And digital storytelling today is really the transfer of information uh, in different mediums and platforms uh, with the use of audio, video, 
visuals as well as text and imagery as well. So, uh, you know, back in the day, an interview was basically as simple as a text interview mm. with simple bolded questions and, and inverted or italic uh, answers. But today you'll find uh, an interview having an audio file, having a video file, having some pictures as well, maybe some behind the scenes or why the interview came about or how it came about or better yet a little bit about the show. So I think that integrated marketing is now where content is, is turning to mm -hmm. and uh, provided you have a, a valid call to action or you have a, a journey, I think that you're going to get the results you're looking for. Most people forget that you have to create a user experience and you have to create, you've got to put your mind, yourself in the shoes of the, of the audience. And most people write content because they want to rank for authority. So they write content based on their vision as opposed to the user's journey. And I think the user's journey today defines metrics. Let's define user's journey. What does that mean? Uh, in my opinion, it's it's the journey of a web audience that's coming to your website or your platforms. So, uh, you know, I, I, for example, had a website with an incredible amount of information. Uh, I think I wrote over 380 blogs in the last year and a half. The challenge is, is that even on my own, if I was to critique my own site, there really wasn't a defined call to action. Sure, there was a services page and a contact us page, but there really wasn't a defined call to action. And I think that, um, you know, we've in building our, our new marketing agency and a few other platforms right now, we're really focusing on, on a call to action apart from the resources. And you almost need to tell people where to go and what to do. And I think if your website doesn't have that element and you don't consider where they start to where they finish, what you end up going to having is the silos of information. You know, it's almost like, um, I think that the problem is they have call to actions, but it's not attached to a sales funnel. So you have a call to yeah. action and it just hits a brick wall and nothing yeah. happens after it. I mean, somebody, here's my email, send me your newsletter, and then the newsletter doesn't have a call to action. So it's all... All over it's the all, place. It's not yeah, it's all over the place. It, yeah. It's almost like a uh, <laughs> the normal way of calling it is an ecosphere. What's the opposite of an ecosphere? <laughs> God, yeah, a pile a of pancakes. Yeah, a pile <laughs> of pancakes. Um, but I think you know, I, you know, a really good example, and some people that have really nailed down inbound marketing is HubSpot. You know, everybody yeah. who knows of HubSpot, uh, HubSpot is one of the leading brands when it comes to giving away digital information as far as social media, blogging, etc. Uh, when you download the ebook, you've got to put your web information in. You get uh, some sort of follow-up. You get some sort of sales calls to actions as well. And then they keep in touch with you through effective email marketing uh, using their platform, HubSpot 3, which is a quite a high-end product. Yep. Uh, but it's one of the top inbound marketing platforms out there in the world right now. And so... If I was to mirror an effective user journey, I would say HubSpot's got it pretty well. I mean, I think they were, if I'm not mistaken, they're known to have over a million opt-ins in the last year alone. Yeah, it, well, it's pretty amazing. And I like the, it's almost like the Huffington Post approach to their content is they're getting other people to create. You're an expert. You create a little mini book. This is how you make it work with HubSpot, and we'll just put it through our little system. Yeah, and you know, I think that that's really where business is going. I think it, it it's a funnel of a balance between social, interactive content, engagement, influence, and then the marketing funnel as well. Speaking of the Huffington Post, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but mm. the art of marketing is coming to town in September, and Ariana Huffington from the Huffington Post is one of the speakers. And wow! I'm, I'm actually going to the event. 
The very guy you're not going to be speaking on. You may be on a panel. Uh, I, you know what? I I wish I got to that stage. I think that's, <laughs> that's one of my five year plans. But you know, maybe if they're watching this, they might consider me to actually come up on the big stage. <laughs> I might have to get a book though, Bob. I think you and I both need to get our books. Out yeah, there. I know. Well, we're doing we're do we're duking it out on books. What chapter are you on right now? I'm on chapter five. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you've, yeah, that's two five. chapters in the last two weeks. You're putting, yeah. you're, okay, you're putting the pressure on. And then I have a ghostwriter that's proofing my chapters as well and making sure that it's it's sexy and readable. And again, mm-hmm. the reader's journey, not the user journey, but the reader's journey. Exactly. Um, and so I think a little bit of the book now is also storytelling a bit as well. So, uh, But it's going back to the art of marketing, I think Scooter Braun, who discovered Justin Bieber, is also one of the speakers. I think they're interviewing him as well. Nice. So uh, it should be a pretty good event considering the last one had scott stratton and uh, buzz uh, from twitter the founder of twitter wow yeah um let's talk about story uh we were chatting with uh, stephanie scott amazing lady she's mm-hmm. really about community and stuff like that and she's on fire about story right now right why is story so critical well i mean let's face it people engage better to stories. Uh, every story has a hero, every story has a villain or a struggle or a challenge. Um, storytelling has been going on for years. I mean, that's the first format of uh, information concepts that we digested when we were kids. So the art of storytelling really is one of our foundations when it comes to processing information. Um, I think that because there's so much content out there, you know, I, I was looking at uh, Google authorships for a mortgage broker and believe it or not, Bob, I don't know how many ways you could talk about mortgage uh, in, in, on Google because you've got all these different mortgage brokers talking about the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and there's about 50 of those links. So you sit there and go, there's going to be a plethora of information out there. But the ones that are going to be winning are the ones that actually have some sort of substance and creativity. Um, even when I was talking about building the foundation of my uh, online TV show that we're about to be releasing in a few weeks, um, I was really impressed by this website called The Good Life Project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a guy that actually used quality cameras. The angles were phenomenal. The the casting, the makeup, just everything was just impressive about the interviews, and they're about an hour long. In fact, I was watching an interview on The Good Life Project with Seth uh, Godin, mm-hmm. and, uh, or Godin as, as, as some people pronounce it, and uh, you know, it was just really interesting and uh, such an such a artistic way of having a visual interview that I ended up watching six videos and uh, and learning a little bit more and you know trying to order the book of the the host as well. So I think that you know when we're looking at storytelling, we really have to focus on creativity and also just. Co- captivating the audience in many ways. Yeah. Well, it's almost come full circle where this happened in desktop publishing when desktop publishing first came out, everybody thought they could produce uh, mm-hmm. a, a magazine and right. or, or, or a newsletter. And there was just right. so much crap out there and everybody right. was doing and there's plethora. And then slowly it dropped off and you, they started getting very professional production and beautiful looking magazines. It's the same right. thing that's happening with storytelling now. It's you're still, you're telling a story it, and, and what, the structure of the story and how it works with the organization is mm-hmm. critical, of course. But then you don't slap it together. You do something that's uh, cost-effective but doesn't right. look like crap. You have good audio. You have uh, some proper art direction. You let the professionals do their job. Then you have a story. You have beautiful photography that goes with it. And then you have a dynamic um, uh, a person doing uh, Twitter and Facebook and 
their engagement is entertaining and high quality. And and I think that's the new level for social media. And everybody's tried social media. Yeah, it's great. And it, what I've done is awful. And I get it. Help me. Right. And then, you, you know, people that have a budget at least. And I think the people that are going to really, really get some awesome ROI and get some great conversion are the people that are basically saying, okay, let's do what I've been doing, but let's do it professionally. Bring in a team and make me look fantastic. Right. And I mean, you know, it, it's also about uh, qualitative infusion as opposed to quantitative infusion. I mean, not to sound like a scientist here, but when I look at quantitative fusion, it, it's really just the sake of having content out there and having a lot of it. Mm. And when I look at qualitative infusion, I'm really focusing more on blending the true elements of what digital storytelling is and also investing a little bit more and telling the audience that you cared about putting this when you were producing it as opposed to just you know, dropping a, a couple of ingredients on there and hoping that it all sticks. You know, I mean, even for my TV show, uh, we spent months uh, in finding a proper location. We're, we're filming out of a penthouse uh, for the next month of August, and we've hired a film crew. Uh, we hired a, a video coach. We've hired a script writer. We've uh, we spent months in finding the right audience members. I mean, I think that it's taken me about probably an accumulation of 12 months to just get to where we are now, which mm. is the filming stage. And it's probably going to take us another three months of editing and lighting and touching up before we can actually yeah. produce it. And that's where that's where the qualitative infusion really goes is going next, I would say. Yeah, I mean, it, if you're going to get people, grab people's attention, there's so much stuff out there, you really right. got to knock their socks off. And you can't do it. It's like, oh, maybe we'll be lucky and we'll get a double rainbow uh, yeah. viral thing. It's like, dude, don't do it that way. Produce yeah. great content, and when you do go viral, you right. will go mega viral. I mean, right. uh, who's um, – oh, God. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, he right. did that with his wine show. Now, that was very cost-effectively done, but he put 150 – you know, he crushed it, like he likes to right. say. He had a right. good camera team put in there. He had proper right. lighting, and he had good, great wine, and he did it five times a week. So when it went viral, you had like – 150, 200 shows. So at least that's when I picked up on him. And he and, went and to like there, 600 shows. And, and, and you know what? I think that there's some elements that even if you had, like, you know, I've seen some Gary Vaynerchuk videos where the quality might be questionable or you might have filmed it from his iPhone. Yeah. But it's Gary. He's built his brand. He's engaging. The content is always quality. I mean, there was a there was a video of him on a plane using these iPhones, and some people might have called him arrogant or cocky, but he was talking about how it's in his DNA to succeed. And for anyone that's winning, I'm going to use the Charlie Sheen quote here. Yep. Um, everyone who's winning right now or getting it is can relate to that video because at the end of the day, you know, entrepreneurship isn't sexy. It isn't for everybody. And so when it comes to Gary Vanichuk as well, I think that, you know, he's built on a brand where people have recognized him to the point where he can, he can, he can take out a few elements and still have an incredible uh, story to tell. Oh, well, absolutely. You, know? you can only break the rules if you've done a fantastic job. Before. Exactly. You've got a good brand. You've got good content and say, Hey, now we're going to do something crazy. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like the bunker show too. I mean, anyone that goes to the bunker show <laughs> and does these radio shows, they know they're in for engaging content, uh, engaging interactions. So people who are part of the bunker project, 
really don't care where you shoot it out of. But believe it or not, you know, the the time when we did the social media day at at the um, at the fan club, yeah, we had a ton of social reactions. A lot of people were like, "This is cool. Where did you guys do this?" And and because we were doing it at a live audience, there were so many people that just wanted to be a part of it. We had some incredible guests as well. So I think that yeah, at the end of the day, you've got to focus on the elements to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, how do you know the the average person or business entrepreneur that that wants to be successful and and uh, do well in social media? What's a great strategy for them? I mean, I know content's important, but right. they only have so many hours in the day. Should they try and build up um, a, a community with, let's say, Twitter or, or, or Facebook, and then access? Um, or make available a whole pile of great content, or should it be happening at the same time? So I think there's two questions there, so I'm going to answer yep. in two parts. The yep. first yep. one was, uh, what, what, what are the things that you need to do on social media uh, to stand out? So I would say that, you know, it's funny you're saying this, because I'm actually preparing a presentation for the next few days, so I might as well All right, scoop. <laughs> yeah, you're always going to get fresh content from me, Bob. <laughs> so uh, I'll, get you, I'll get you three answers here for social media. All right. Number one is don't talk to everybody on social media as if they're in, in one voice as if there's one audience mm. and I think that when it comes to social media because you have family stalkers ex-girlfriends uh, business partners affiliates everybody's different so it's better to have a customized conversation or take those conversations offline if you're looking at making an influence uh, it's very important to get to know the people and talk to them differently because each person is different before you decide to pitch them so that's the first tip. The second thing I would say is um, if you have different platforms, do not create what I call the social islands, which is a standalone platform where you haven't updated it for four or five months. Mm. The whole point of being social is for you to be up to date and current with your conversation. So be consistent, be present, and most importantly, it's a visual reminder of who you are. And some platforms don't see your status updates. As we know with Facebook, the edge rank only allows you to look at 20% of your platform providers. But with something like Twitter, everybody sees you, so be consistent. And I would say the third thing, which is probably one of the most important things, is to to be yourself, but keep it classy and have fun. Nobody wants to know about your dirty laundry or your conflicts. Uh, you know, if it's negative, keep it offline or deal with it directly. Uh, stay positive, have fun with it. Most importantly, be yourself and authentic. I think I wrote an article recently about being authentic in business, and it's, it's the same with being on social media. You have to be authentic. Answering your second question, which was... Um, what platform to be on, per se, I would say it really goes down to each platform is there designed to have communications, but for different purposes. So if I use myself as an example, I find LinkedIn great for corporate and business contacts. I find Twitter is my underdog because it's great for first-time conversations, because it's great for transparency and networking. And then you can you know, move them to other platforms and massage those relationships through Facebook. And, you know, for the nerds, we all love Google+. And, and for visual engagement, you'd use YouTube, I would say. So each one has a purpose. If someone can't handle all of them at one point, start with one, perfect it, and then move on to the next. But I think we're moving into a generation right now where uh, the, the future gen generation is all about the multiple screen which is now the new one screen, as Joe Mitchell called it, in his six pixels of separation. So I think that in business today and our future generations, we're going to be integrated regardless. So um, it doesn't really matter if you use one or the other. 
And, and when you say future generations, you're talking three to four years. You're not well, talking 20 years because well, it's moving I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you an example. Uh, my nephew, uh, he's about a year and a half. Mm. He had a laptop. Uh, and, and it's a little baby laptop. And so we saw him with a really big frown on his face. And I, I knew something was wrong. So I went up to him and I said, what's wrong? And he kept looking at the screen and he started doing this. Let me just show that on the camera. He started flickering the screen on yep, the laptop and saying broke. Yeah. He kept saying broke. <laughs> yeah. So now when he goes to a TV, he does the same thing. So I don't think when I say future generations, I'm not even thinking five or ten years. I think we're already there, my friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids today are doing some amazing stuff. Oh, it blows. Well, I got the kids a couple of uh, Chromebooks for Christmas. Right. And those Chromebooks, I cannot believe how many hours they, they're spending <laughs> watching videos and stuff right. like that. But they're doing amazing things that I didn't even right. know Chromebooks could do. And I asked them, how do you do it? And they say, well, you know, just do it. It's not like I'm going to teach you how to do it, Dad. Right. It's just like, Dad, this is, this, you know, it's how we breathe. Right. We I, just I mean, play I was born it. in Africa. We didn't have any iPads. We didn't really have any visual screens or anything else. But you I mean, had giraffes. I had giraffes. Actually, I think I brought one of them right there. Yeah. Um, but also, we had like you know, like our forms of uh, interaction and engagement and entertainment were simplistic things. I think there was a time when I played with stones and you know ants, <laughs> and uh, you know, I just think that you know, kids are are, are evolving to to a smarter generation. I hope. And uh, I think that I'm I'm very optimistic about the digital enhancements. I'm waiting for the day and age. I'm hoping that I get to live the day and age of holograms. Mm, yeah. Well, Which I, you know, I mean, three D three D printing has already kicked in. Yep. Um, I heard they they printed a, a human organ. They just haven't figured out how to put life into it. Yep. But uh, holograms are next, I think. What yeah, I mean, well, 3D is pretty amazing. I was looking at the new casts that they're making. They, they, you, you basically get a cast made, and it's basically a this this mesh is just right. as strong as a regular cast cast. But you can use it in the shower, and it's got holes all over it, so you can scratch your skin if it's itchy. I mean, it's like that's uh-huh. the two big things that casts can't do is right. you can't put them in the shower, and they make your arm itch like crazy. So. Right. Boom! It's a, it's it's an amazing amazing opportunity. Yeah, it's amazing where it's going. Um, we could wax poetic all night, but we're running out of time. How can people get a hold of you, Bosco? Um, you know what? I would say Bosco Anthony is my Twitter handle. If you Google Bosco Anthony, I'm on the first 40 pages of Google. That's because of all my content for authority. Um, you know, one more thing, yeah. if we have time, Absolutely. Uh, talking about a trend. Uh, have you heard of voice search and the impact of voice search? Well, in the sense that uh, I don't type anything, I just say, hey, find this in my computer. Finds right, it for right. Me. Yeah. So I, I have an iPhone 5, and with the, the iPhone 5, you can now voice search on your YouTube channels. And I think you, you can have those features with your Android or anything oh, else. Oh, they've had them for years, yeah. Right. So what's happening right now is that they're finding through SEO, which is search engine optimization, mm-hmm. that people were lazier when it came to typing keywords, so they made it shorter. But uh, with voice search, people are more descriptive. So, for example, if I want to look at my YouTube videos, I'll just go Bosco Anthony videos. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I'll be more descriptive on a topic that I recently spoke about. So, I think when we talk about content and relevancy of what the future trend is going to be, and I'll be talking about this at my next meetup on Wednesday on SEO, I think that we're going to start ranking for phrases and longer terminologies. I think keywords are going to turn into key sentences Mm -hmm. if I am to make a bold prediction. Uh, because with the infusion of voice search, it's only a matter of time 
when keyword funneling for those voice searches will start to be optimizable keywords. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at optimizing content, why wouldn't we optimize longer keywords and sentences going for further? Yeah, or actually also having uh, longer titles that are more descriptive instead exactly. of these short, punchy ones. Exactly. It's like, you know, have to, how to master yeah. the internet. Here's 10 tips by right, Boss right. Garland. <laughs> <laughs> or, or how to have a wicked crazy podcast by Bob Garland. Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, drink you know, beer. And drink beer. So, yeah, I think, I think that that's really where we're looking at as far as content trends going forward. Something mm-hmm. to think about. Uh, but, hey, what do we know? We're just digital marketers. Exactly. We're just having fun. <laughs> Exactly. Hey, boss, that's awesome. I think we should uh, have you back on the show. It would be great to chat with you about new stuff that's going because you're doing so many cool things. Um, But uh, from the audience that were lucky enough to uh, find this podcast through voice activation uh, and enjoyed it, thank you for spending the time with us. And uh, always a pleasure to chat with you. Thanks for having me, Bob, and all the best. And I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be chatting some more and having some more wicked interviews. Absolutely. And tell Andrew he needs to upgrade his internet. <laughs> Poor Andrew. <laughs> Poor Andrew. <laughs>